everybody comes to me, my dream is just to not have a job anymore and make music only. I'm like, well, you better get to work yeah. because there's a lot of things you can do to make music income, but you're going to have to work your butt off to do it. And it's yeah. going to be like a job. So you might as well get yep. used to it. Yo, what's good? This is Clint, your host on the Music Is My Business podcast, the podcast where you can gain insight and learn proven strategies to build and monetize your music career. If you want your questions answered live, join me on YouTube at Clint Music on Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern time, and let's chop it up. Now let's dig into this week's episode. What's up, people? Welcome to the channel where we talk about music production, music licensing, and music business. If you love any of the previously mentioned, be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on all my latest content and hit that bell icon so you know exactly when that new content drops. So listen, today I have a special guest for the podcast, The Music Is My Business podcast. His name is Eric Copeland. He's a full-time composer and educator-based in Orlando, Florida, and an amazing channel talking about, you know, music licensing, stock music, and just his whole music licensing journey. So uh, I brought him on to to talk about that. And uh, man, Eric, welcome to the podcast. How's it going, man? Thank you, man. It's going great. Beautiful day here in Orlando. Another blue sky, hot day in the June yeah. in nice. Orlando. Indeed, man. Yeah, I know last time I was in Florida, last few times, man, oh, the humidity definitely took me out. It's different, but I'll take it, man, over the, the northern winter weather of Ohio. <laughs> yeah. So, man, I guess talk about, I guess talk about where, where it all started for you. Did you start off as a musician? Did you always want to do music? Like, where did it begin for you? It began at the beginning. My parents were music people. My dad was a band leader and trombone player and singer. And my mother was a full-time organist at our church for 40 plus years. Plus she taught piano at the house. So it was just the thing that everybody did in my house is music. Wow. My brother was a 40 plus year professional drummer with band after band after band. It was just in a band recently that got signed mm -hmm. and, um, so yeah, it's been, it's a musical family and from the minute I was a kid i have literally pictures of me with a, as a kid with a microphone in my hand when people came to my to my house we didn't play hide and seek or spin the bottle or whatever we we recorded shows yeah you know we were just taping and and on cassette and recording and then i just my dad had a real sony tape quarter is what it was called and it did sound on sound so he also had a grand piano and microphones and so i would just write i started writing songs when i was 13 and Real soon, you know, when you start writing songs and then they, and, and people start saying, well, that's, those are pretty good. Yeah. Even, I mean, even if it's your family, like my dad was like one of my biggest fans, but people or your friends go, Hey, that's good. And so early on, I knew that was my thing. I just yeah. knew from my early teens that I was a songwriter. And so of course I thought being only about three hours from Nashville that I would just get a, a would become a, a, a songwriter and get a music publishing deal. And that yep. would be my life. And so I kind of aimed towards that and just wrote songs, wrote songs, wrote songs, but I didn't really write what people wanted. I just wrote the pop little ballads or whatever, and later started writing jazz. And Nashville was the wrong place for pop and jazz, especially in the eighties and nineties. It was just not what they were looking for. They were looking for either country or, or country or contemporary Christian or something like that, you know? And I, What's funny is I ended up making a whole production life in contemporary Christian that I still do to this day and, okay. and did end up eventually moving to Nashville after starting a studio in Kentucky in the Lexington area 
And then eventually I had some adventures in Chicago for a few years. And then I came down to Lexington and met my wife and, and kind of put out a, a business cards and everything saying I was a composer, producer, arranger, mm-hmm. and learned what a computer a producer was from another producer who also produced a lot in gospel, more, yep. more in Southern gospel and stuff, but I wasn't interested in that. I wanted to make contemporary music and, but I just, from my background growing up in church, it just all kind of fit that contemporary Christian music was going to be what I did. And, and you know, if you're a good enough artist or producer, eventually you, people are going to go, yeah, great. that sounds great. Can you produce me? Can you make my music? Cause that's what they really care about is their yeah. own music and, and less of what, of your of your stuff. They want what they want. As you know, with clients, they are, they are focused on themselves. And so, but took it and ran with it and eventually built a production business that I took to Nashville, turned into a label called creative soul records that, that was a very strong website that man, at one time, I think at the heyday of that website, it was getting 50, hundred thousand hits a year from people wanting to come to Nashville and record their music in this small little genre of contemporary Christian music or gospel music. Yeah, And so, and plus they wanted to come to Nashville and, and be in the studios. They wanted to come work with the Grammy winning engineers and stuff like that. And I kind of lucked in the first, very first guy I met really. And some of the people were the higher up people in that, that genre. And so I kind of just, I never really produced a, a huge artist and none of my artists ever became huge artists, but I was like, what was the guy? Who's the actor that everybody does the thing with where there, you're so many. Kevin Bacon, you know, you're so many degrees from Kevin Bacon or something like that. You ever heard about that? Yeah. Well, I was like one degree away from anybody because of the musicians and engineers that I worked with and the studios I worked with. So I always had the great players for whoever the, you want to say it was, whether it was the Winans or Stephen Curtis Chapman or Amy Grant or whoever it was in that particular genre. And so I had all their players and later on, all these players started playing for people and still play for people like Michael McDonald and Kenny Loggins and Peter Cetera and all those guys who have moved out from LA and now live in Nashville. So have all these guys who are just top, I mean, they are the LA people from eighties, you know, like Jeff Percaro and, and those kind of people, when you think of those musicians, they are those that quality in Nashville and they've been doing it for 20, 30 years. So that's been really the key to my success is finding great, great musicians, mm-hmm. great ears and great studios and, and then just using them for my clients. And that turned into a six figure business that lasted for, uh, well, until now, still yeah. I do a lot. I work with 15 to 20 clients at a time, mm-hmm. if not producing them, at least guiding them and uh, consulting with them. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, man, I feel like because we kind of similar backgrounds growing up in church. And I feel like that in itself is you learn so much in being a musician in church and being around that atmosphere. And, you know, me, I know me personally, you know, being a drummer and then eventually playing keys, keyboard and things like that. And organ sometimes I didn't when I was younger, I didn't really like the organ, man. I thought it was like for old people, <laughs> Same. but it grew on me. Like when I matured and I got good on keys, then now I have a, a new appreciation for the, the B3 specifically with yep. Leslie. Love that thing. But I feel like there's elements of, you know, improvisation and especially in gospel music, there's it's intertwined with so many different other genres of music. And I feel like I've been able to use that experience a lot in sync licensing, being able to to jump from 
you know, from genre to genre and give these different styles because, you know, in church, you, you're exposed to those, those many different styles. Has that been your experience as well? Yeah. In contemporary Christian, there are many genres inside of that. So I've worked on everything from, I currently have a metal client that does Christian metal. I have currently, I've worked with this reggae lady who was originally from Jamaica and she's lived in Brooklyn the past 40 years, but that lady sells more records than anybody. And she's older than all of us. And she, she'll go to the islands and she will sell all her Christian reggae records that I make with all with only MIDI. I don't, yeah. I, there might be real guitar in it. Sometimes not. Yeah. Sometimes it's fake guitar. And I will produce that all MIDI and she will do the vocals and we'll do background vocals and people eat it up and they yeah. love that reggae Christian stuff. It's contemporary. It's, it's whatever it is. Yeah. I've done country stuff. I've done pop, a lot of pop and rock. I've yeah. done everything you can think of, every style, bluegrass, everything in, even inside of that gospel boundaries, you know? Yeah. So that has the same. It's really helped me become a great, or I should say a successful at getting into libraries where I can bring them tons of different kinds of styles that they need for their, for their library. And I've done everything like one library. I've done everything from positive pop to classical piano sonatas to I'm finishing up a, co a contemporary country record right now to Latin jazz to, I mean, it's just all over the place, you know, and classical Christmas and stuff like that. So yeah. it's because not because I'm like so great. It's like, I'm lucky enough to have all the great people that I can go to for all those things. Yeah. And my personal styles are more on the jazz and anything related to piano. Cause I'm a piano player and a keyboard player. So I live in that world where I would rather be on a piano or a, or a Rhodes or something, yeah. not necessarily B3. I can play B3, but you know, that's a special talent to yeah, really be really able to is. dig in on a B3, you know, it really is. Yeah. You got the, and, I, and my church was not playing a B3. My mother was not playing a B3 in my church. She was yeah. playing the dun, 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 her feet were going and the, oh, know, yeah. the pipes and everything. So Pipe. and it was a big Baptist church, Southern Baptist church, but it was, it was back in the hymn days and stuff before gotcha. contemporary. So. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm a big contemporary Christian kid and contemporary Christian and contemporary gospel. I never really liked the old school, the hymns and things like well, that. I like hymns. You know, I appreciate them. I appreciate them. But growing up, I wasn't interested in playing them. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. uh, neither was I. And I am now. Yeah. Like I've just uh, produced a whole lot of different hymns records that I'm trying to sell to libraries and so and and they're all ambient or they're all different i take them and i just twist and turn them around and turn them into other things and i've even i had an idea for a i've got a whole album of amazing grace and it's just like because if you hear a song on a tv show it's a christian song mm -hmm. and it's at a funeral it's going to be amazing grace they're going to it's going to be on bagpipes it's going to be some kind of version of Amazing Grace. Somebody's going to be singing Amazing Grace. It's the only song that apparently they think that people equate with funerals or Christians. <laughs> so I just did a whole album of it, all these different styles of it and versions of it. So I'm pitching that right now. But that's smart, um, though. Like that, that is really, really smart because you you really leaned in and paid attention. Okay. What's being used in these kinds of scenes all the time. So it's like, if you know something is being used all the time or a specific song, go in and create multiple versions of and covers of that to be used in different, different situations. That's brilliant. Honestly, um, I need to watch a lot of TV. 
that yeah. you're going to do this. And luckily I do. Yeah. So. <laughs> Indeed, man. So, wow. Okay. So you grew up in church. You got, you got that, the, the Nashville experience, which a lot of great music comes out of Nashville. I feel like a lot of great songwriting and I feel like the emphasis on great songs and Bubble compositions. Chicken. Yeah. Come out of Nashville. So that's super dope. And you just like a, a lot of other musicians you know, have this dream of getting the big publishing deal. And, you know, now you're just writing full time for, for all of the greats. When, when did you kind of make that shift and realize that you don't necessarily have to go that route to be able to make a living in music and do it, you know, in a sustainable way? Yeah. Cause that publishing deal finally did come, but it wasn't with a publisher. It was with a library. And so that big break did come, but I was, after we had moved down here to Florida from Nashville, I was still doing everything I was doing. So I was driving back and forth all the time, all the time, back and forth. And at some point I was listening to a podcast and there was a lady on there talking to whoever that was doing the podcast about sync licensing. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about the incomes that, that sync licensing made. And, and th again, this was at least six years ago. So this was probably you know, 2017, 2018, when, it, and it's not even as big a buzzword as it is now, licensing and all that kind of stuff. But it just totally clicked with me. I'm like, that's where I need to go. That is where, because I knew that my production career, my work with clients was, you know, I'd been doing that since for 20 years. This is the 25th anniversary of my record label that I've been working for other artists and producing them and stuff. Okay. That's enough. That's enough. Yeah, that's a, that's a long time. I don't know what the future of it's going to be, but I do know that at this time, at that time, I saw it. And I said, that's the next thing for me is really licensing and creating the music that I want to create for the people who need to use it in shows. And I create that kind of stuff. And I have the crew in Nashville and, and all around the country now that can can do that. And I can find singers everywhere and different things like that. And there's lots of great singers here in Orlando that I've used and stuff like that. So I just knew that was the direction and that became the shift towards developing instead of creative soul records, my, my other company, it's called positive spin songs, okay. which is my focus on, on my licensing. It's, it's mostly positive, still keeping kind of a, not necessarily Christian or gospel, but keeping a positive kind of stuff because most placements want positive music. They want yep. upbeat, happy, not, I mean, it's not that I don't do anything in a minor key, but you know, I'm talking about, they want that music that can, and especially when I heard this interview, you know, she was talking about most of the ads are going to want upbeat major key stuff. Yep. And so as a matter of fact, I just had a use in Germany of one of my songs and it's a, it's a boppy little ukulele singing, you know, tune. And so, so that's what I call my company and that's really become my focus production wise. And I've kind of slowly started to gear my clients away. I mean, they could, we could still make things for them, but I'm like, why not do double, why not double dip? Why not do a single for yourself that you can also pitch to libraries and stuff like that. So it's yeah. kind of, it's kind of become my, my new business is, is working with my clients and finding clients that are interested in that and not just some aren't, some are, don't have any interest in putting their songs and not having any control on where their songs go. Right. But not many, most are like, yeah, whatever. And so if there's that, and especially if there's back end, which none of them want to go out and do gigs, so they better have some kind of back end. And, yeah. and so, and they can't sell CDs anymore. So they've got nothing but a pennies coming in from Spotify. So they're like, yeah, okay, I'll take some kind of upfront or back end. So. Yeah. That's been the kind of changeover over these past six years and about, I guess it was 2020 when I got my first 
I just kept studying the marketplace and studying, watching videos, Jesse's channel, sync my music and other places and, and just said, okay, I'm going to do some research and find some libraries. And so I sent some, I did what you shouldn't do. I sent the same email to five or six companies <laughs> in one, in one morning. Yeah. And luckily only one got back with me. Actually several got back with me, but they weren't interested, but it led to relationships that I could, they said, send us more they, we're just not looking for this right now. But another one said, yeah, I'm interested. Send me a bunch of this, a bunch of this kind of style. And so I sent them a bunch of that style. And that was my first contract that I signed. And I've since signed six or seven other albums with them. And that continues now. And mm -hmm. then I got another kind of more known library. And I don't usually throw out the exclusive libraries, but I work with a library called Scorekeepers, which I think is pretty much, uh, it's kind of like the, it's almost a mix. It's an exclusive music library, but it's online. Everybody, anybody can find it. Of course, anybody can find any of these really. Yeah, if they yeah. if they do their research, and then I, I another library came along where I found a guy and I pitched. I, I got a country album of all things, country album in with him. So, I'm in three or four right now, and yeah, like you, I'd like to have five or ten to the point where I've always got. And as it is now, I've got enough to do as far as for sync. I, I'm just getting through this country album right now with everything else that I do in this YouTube channel and my now my new kind of job that I have. So yeah, through this whole time, I decided to go back to school. Wow. And so there's that whole journey where I just said, you know, I had 119 credit hours from going to UK and going to school up in Chicago. And then, then I came back and, and some boy said, you know, you, you have 119 credit hours. You only need one more hour for a degree. And I was like, oh, well, maybe I should look into that. And I took a music, my, but my problem was I took a music history course okay. to see if I could handle it while I was in the middle of probably making the most I was making producing at that time in Nashville. Okay. And I went to MTSU and took a class and I fell in love with music history. And then I fell in love with all the music stuff, but especially music history. Yeah. And I ended up finishing up a, a bachelor's there in music history. And then I said, I think I could teach. I think I could add teaching as an income stream because yeah. I, I do want to teach. So that's when we moved, but around that time we decided we were done with winter. Like you were you know, done with winter up here in Kentucky and Tennessee. I don't even care. I just don't want to see the leaves go off the trees and I don't want to see gray skies. And so we moved to Orlando. We had planned it for years, decades. Yeah. And so we finally moved down here and that's when I went and got my master's, nice. which I finished last year. Yeah. Wow. So, wow. So you have a, a rich, a rich background, you know, because they're, I get asked a lot from producers, like, you know, should I, should I get a degree in music? Is it necessary? Like with you having two degrees, you got the bachelor's and the master's. Do you find that that has helped you in your music career? Yeah, definitely. I'm writing stuff now that I never would have written had I not done my master's, especially in composition. And I've already pitched two albums and had albums accepted that were basically stuff that I learned from studying music history. I never would have known what a piano sonata was and get a whole album of piano sonatas if I didn't study that stuff. Cause I just, I didn't know the difference between Bach and Beethoven and, mm -hmm. and I was, and, and other people that I worked with or knew did. And I, and I didn't like the fact that I didn't have that knowledge. Knowledge is knowledge. Knowledge, knowledge is power, as we say. Yeah, and yeah. I like to have all that knowledge so that I, and music history is super interesting because it's basically our same history now. Stuff that's happening now happened 300 years ago. And 
Yeah. Mozart went through the Mozart lived the same life as you and I did, trying just to hustle his butt off to all that kind of stuff. That stuff just really interests me, the parallels. But as far as music theory and stuff, I know my friend Dave just did a great video on, I mean, a great podcast on music theory and, and how that relates to, do you need that to create cues or to live a life in music? And mm -hmm. I have to agree, it, it's good to know the mechanics of how everything works. Yeah, you can be great at working on cars, yeah. But if you don't know vaults and you don't know how computers work and all those kind of things a little bit, you got to go to school and study that stuff so that yeah. you not only have a natural ability to fix cars, but you have a natural ability to understand why it all works together. You don't have to know and think in Roman numerals all day long with music, but it doesn't hurt to know the, the background. And when you get to Nashville and you do the Nashville number system and all that kind of stuff, it doesn't hurt to know all that stuff. And so. Now I kind of get to teach all those basics to people, which I really, I think is really important for, at 18 to 25. I just wish I had done it. I wish at 18, some, I, my, this self could go back to that self and say, just get a music degree. Yeah. Just instead of skipping all the time and writing songs up in the piano room, just get a music degree, you know? So it's like, uh, it's like my college life. <laughs> <laughs> so all I did was write songs. I had the best time. I'd go up and play those big grand pianos and, and I'd be singing and writing songs. Every, next room, somebody's playing their bassoon or something. Yeah. And I'm in there writing pop songs and skipping class, you know? So probably a music class. And so now I just try to get people to take it seriously and learn that, get that basic knowledge early. It's only going to help you. If you have any goals to do music in your life, go ahead and go to school and get some music stuff. What else are you going to do? Philosophy? I mean, how is that going to help your music career? If you love music, parents ask me this all the time. Should yeah. my kid go to music school? I'm like, do they have any interest in anything else? And now if they say, yeah, chemical engineering, I'm like, well, <laughs> maybe he could take minor in music and go get the chem engineering degree because it'll yeah. lead to a big job and, and he can yeah, then buy all fun. the gear he wants. Right. Exactly. Yep. We all started out in IT that paid for this music career, right? Yes, exactly, man. Yo, if you're serious about your music business, then you should know how important it is to have an email list so you can stay in touch with your fans, your followers, and customers. The problem is a lot of these email services charge you more and more the more subscribers subscribe to your list. Well, I found a solution and it's called Flowdesk and you get unlimited subscribers for one price. And that price, I don't it's not even $40. Like it's mad cheap, yo. You get automatic list cleaning. It's a simple, easy to use platform that makes it easy to send out email campaigns. And it's all for one fee every month, the same fee. You just keep paying the same price, no matter how many subscribers you get. So listen, today I want to give you 50% off your subscription to Flowdesk. Just go to clintproductions.com slash Flowdesk. That's clintproductions.com forward slash F-L-O-D-E-S-K. Once again, that's clintproductions.com slash Flowdesk. Flow without the W, just F-L-O. Now go build that email list. Back to the show. And it's, man, dude, because so many people, you know, so many people push this, oh man, just like, just hustle and like grind it out and until you make it. But it's like, man, you could, you, it's okay to go out and, and get established in a good career because you put yourself in a, a, a more comfortable position to where you don't have to make horrible decisions and sign horrible deals because, you know, the bills are taken care of, you know, now you can reinvest back into your business and then everything that you have coming in, you're able to reinvest it directly back into the business versus eating it all up on bills and food and all that stuff. So 
you're able to grow faster by kind of having man so <laughs> it's funny because you know you talk about getting the the degree and the things that you learn and i also feel like it also helps you communicate better you know when you're talking to a library or someone you know it could be it could be a composer that's working on a film and they pulled you in to do some stuff. Now you kind of know some of the same terminology and you're just not completely clueless as to what they're talking about because you have that background in, in music. So I definitely think that's dope. I remember in my co college career, I didn't major in music because they didn't have like a, like I wanted to major in like something production, but they didn't have that. So I went with kind of like a, it was like a, consumer what was it consumer marketing services degree but i did take some you know history of jazz courses and some yeah, I took um, that too. music it was some some other music course that i took but music it was a music business course which is really good but yeah it never hurts man never hurts to get that well stuff. and and i'm in a place now where i teach at a, a recording school basically they offer different degrees kind of like full sale does where they offer recording but they also offer graphic design they also offer video production oh. but i work only in the the recording arts section and my job is to teach 101 and 102 and i love that because i teach them everything from where how computers and audio came together the history of recorded music from the phonograph to now and then get into Pro Tools. We teach them Pro Tools. We're just learning Pro Tools right now. And then once we get Pro Tools down and we, we do a, just a little bit of, they do a lot of mixing and stuff and then automating and, and effects and all that kind of stuff. And then we jump into Logic and we get into Logic and, and, and then they are all like, why didn't we go with Logic for the first place? But anyway, that's a whole other conversation <laughs> because they've got all these loops and plugins and everything to deal with, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I'm a Logic guy too. So I, I I'm oh, like yeah. with them kind of. Yeah. So, but when they're in Nashville and they go to do an assistant engineer job, they're not going to see Logic. They're not going to see FL. They're not going to see, and they're going to see Pro Tools sitting in front of them, and they're going to be expected to run it fast and well. And in almost any major studio you walk into, that's what you're going to see up there because that's the recording software. But anyway, and then after that, we get into song structure and t trying to teach and drum into their heads verse and chorus. You'd be surprised how many beat makers, how many students who come in, how hard it is to, for them to understand the ABAB structure, yep. but they need to know that because that's the main structure. There's other music structures. There's AA, there's strophic and AAA and, you know, 12 bar blues and stuff like that. But the problem is nobody's using those. Mainly we're writing pop songs with a, with a verse and a chorus and a verse and a chorus and a bridge and a chorus. And so teaching, trying to teach them that kind of stuff. And then. <laughs> and after all that, we get into music theory, which probably should be first, but we, we go through just the regular music theory stuff, you know, and teach them a little bit of Roman numerals, a little bit of Nashville number system. But again, basically this is a note. This is how many beats a quarter note is, you know, and stuff like that, that most people just don't know, but we don't get into it too far. And, and a lot of them are like, I want more music theory. I'm like, well, you need to then go to some other college and take a music theory course. Yeah. But otherwise. It's just all about getting people to understand what you need for any job you might, any person you might run into, any job you might get hired for, yeah. from radio, for TV, studio, music studio. If you're communicating, let's say, just with another person online or across town and they come from a music background and you don't, it's good that you both know what a whole note is or, or, what, a, or what a structure is and things like that. So yeah. at the very least, 
of this school at, to their credit. They try to give them a, a an education. And, and I love this. I took a class like that. It was called music theory for non-music majors. Mm-hmm. And it was just the stuff that you really will kind of need. Probably got like a C and it probably just didn't go. But, but now this is kind of what that course is, you know, music theory for non, for recording people who want to be in recording or be, they want to become their own beat makers slash musicians slash artists, whatever. And so this kind of course is kind of fun because it talks about all those things. And then they go into recording and stuff. But I do think it's good that everybody has that basis. And so at the very least, take go on to Berkeley or someplace and take a a music theory class and just a beginning music theory class. You can get them free on YouTube. Yeah. YouTube University is a great place to go. They're here now. You know, you're here now at listening to us talk and and teach you things. So uh, you can find out about music theory and history of music and all that kind of stuff. And it does help. It does help in your career. Yeah, it can only help, man. So, man, dude, this is good. So uh, before we get into I want to get into where you are on your your music licensing journey. But before we get into that, because you mentioned this a couple times and it, I'm super interested because you, you mentioned this Nashville number system. Mm-hmm. I know I use a number system as a as a musician, especially playing with the band and communicating. But what is the Nashville number system? Because I don't know what it is, but it sounds super interesting. So I'm interested. Okay, so that's interesting to me. So, because I think of Atlanta and Nashville as kind of linked, where it's kind of Atlanta is kind of like Nashville's cousin. Yeah. Uh, in music production, I know so many people in in Atlanta who are musicians who either come up to Nashville and work all the time or whatever. So yep. I feel like more than almost any city, Nashville and Atlanta are linked as music centers type of thing. Yeah. With with Atlanta being more centered in the hip hop slash world a little bit more. And, but there's a lot of the people who I've worked with in the gospel world who are also in Atlanta, you know, again, in the black gospel side of things, you know, or the urban gospel side of things. Yeah. But yeah, they're all down there. Like reach records, I believe is down there and stuff like that. Yep. Yep. So, but the Nashville number system is pretty basic. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, the end, you know, it's, it's, if we're in the key of C, C will be one. If we move up to the next chord that we would play all on white keys, it would be a D minor. And so we would call that a two minor. And then if you go up to three and you just play a simple three minor, like all on white keys, it's going to be three minor. And then four is just going to be four. Five is a regular G is going to be five. A six minor is an A minor in that same, if we're walking them up, still on all white keys. The easiest way to teach this is white keys because you can just walk right up and teach all these. And then A minor is going to be six minor because it's the sixth note of that scale. And then seven is going to be technically, if you just play all white notes, it's seven diminished. But we're going to just usually we use a seven flat, like a seven flat major, like a B flat major. Or we'll use a uh, what we call what I call a five over seven, which is a a G a G over a B, Mm -hmm. you know, stepping up to go up to back up to one. And yeah. so, and the, the reason why this, this exists is because it was developed long ago for country players who did not know any music theory and they couldn't read any music notes and they couldn't read any music charts. They didn't know an A from a Z. And so they didn't know that what, what things were, they just knew how to pick. And so they developed this number system to say, here's the way it is. And if you start on this note, that's one. And, and then we're in the key of C, you play a C, but if the singer decides that the key is too low and they need to take it up to D, we just move one up to D and now D is one. 
and yep. then E is two. And so the, the, the chart stays the same. So we don't have to change the chart, especially for easy songs like country songs. We're using one, four, fives, maybe a six minor and a two minor, and that's all you're using. Right. It's really easy. When you get into stuff where you've got six flats and all these diminished things and going on and, and, and a lot of sevenths and elevenths and all that kind of stuff, then I'm going to write a, number, a letter chart. I'm going to write a, a C and I'm, then I'm going to say, oh, well, that's a A minor seven but it's also got a nine in it and stuff like that you know i'm gonna i'm gonna probably write more of a of a letter chart instead of numbers but when we're talking one four five six six three and i mean we're talking pretty simple pop or simple country or simple worship music i mean which is like one five six four or something like that over and over and over for hours you know we're going to use numbers as as much as possible because it's just faster to write down and it's faster for to see the 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 arrangement you can just look at it and say oh this is one four five all the way through i only yeah. play three notes uh, as you're the few of the bass player so and like a uh like i mentioned if i'm playing a g over a b it'd be five over seven you know and there, so there could be things over things just like there'd be a g over it'd be a g over b if we looked on a regular chart so that's in in just a quick quick kind oh, of that thing is, is the nashville number system that's dope. No, that that has been I never knew what it was called, but that has literally been a game changer for me because when I started playing key, so I learned to play by ear. So I didn't know any music theory. You know, I knew, you know, basic, you know, the letters, the scale, but <clears throat> I didn't really get into a little bit of theory until later on. But the number system was how I knew I knew where to go, knew how to communicate with the band. If, if the bass player said four, I knew what the four was, no matter what mm-hmm. what the key was. You know what I mean? Yep. So it that has been super, super huge. And I, I always ask people now, it's just like, you know, the number system, because I can explain this better. Just tell it. I can just call them out immediately and you'll know exactly where to go. But that no, that's super interesting. Thanks for sharing that. And in theory, man, learning uh, even a, a little bit of it and learning some of that structure definitely helps. I think that's one of the biggest places I see. Producers struggle when they're trying to get their music placed in, in TV and film and, and create that placement-ready music is the structure, you know, that that ABAB that I still use to this day to create, you know, tracks for music and knowing the difference between a verse, a chorus, a bridge, and things like that is really important. Yeah, I've got a composer channel that I kind of started before I got this job that I was going to kind of build as a sister channel to my, because my channel is just filled with talking to people about making music income, because I think that's the most important thing that if you're going to make music and you want to turn that into some, and everybody wants to make money with it. They want yep. to figure out how it, can it be, you know, everybody comes to me, my dream is just to not have a job anymore and make, make music only. I'm like, well, you better get to work yep. because there's a lot of things you can do to make music income, but you're going to have to work your butt off to do it. And it's yep. going to be like a job. So you might as well get yep. used to it. So being that person myself, that's what I teach. But I kind of have a heart after doing a master's in composition to talk about composing and talk about songwriting and, and cause I'll have students or artists walk up to me and go, I started this song, but I don't know where to go with it. I've yeah. written a chorus, but I don't know how to write the verse. Where do I go? I'm like, well, you started on the one you started on C and, and then, so why don't you start the chorus on four? And that just like a light bulb comes on there like, boom. oh, you know what I could sing there? So I think that's, to me, that's something very interesting to do. Now, whether I'll have time to keep that channel going along with this channel and everything else and all the other balls up in the air, we'll see. Yeah. But yeah. Indeed. So let's get into 
where you are now in your music licensing journey, you talk about making, you know, making music income. And I know licensing has been a big part of that. Where are you in this, this licensing journey right now? I'm in the middle part, and this is something that I'm excited to talk about because I know there are a lot of people who are at the beginning. They haven't even started yet. Some of them don't even have their music chops ready yet. Some of them do have their music chops ready, but they haven't approached libraries. Some have approached libraries and gotten those first responses. Some have got songs signed and, and now they're trying to see if, or they get songs signed and they don't get put on the library right away and they're waiting. Mm-hmm. And then there are people who've got the libraries, the stuff in the libraries, and they're waiting for the people to find those songs and use them and, and make money. I'm about there. I'm about at that place where I've got a uh, hundred to 200 songs out into libraries and I'm either waiting for them to matriculate into the library and start being used, mm-hmm. or they're already in there. And I'm waiting for TV shows like this show in Germany this week that is about farmers finding wives. It's like a, wow. it's like the bachelor in Germany, except for farmers. It's hilarious, <laughs> but, but this is what, this is what you're going to run into. You know, I've yeah. also got, had some Christmas placements and things like that, but I'm at the beginning. I'm at a, I'm at first page of TuneSat, if you know what I mean. Okay. I am only seeing a good dozen to, to, you know, 20, 20 placements so far. Okay. I need, and, and of course you want to get, and, and a hundred or 200 is a drop in the bucket as far as songs that are yeah. out there in libraries. You need to have 10 times that, I think, to start really seeing consistency, at least from what I've heard and heard on your channel and other people's channels. And so I know that's my goal is to get to that place. Some people think of that term, they call a thousand songs. I can never write a thousand songs in my, in two lifetimes. And, and to those of us who have been doing this all our time, we're like, eh, it's just a matter of time. You know, I just got a crank. And so, so that's where I am. I'm in that place where I'm just, you know, I remember Jesse on Jesse's channel. I remember seeing him talk about seeing 14 cents as his first one. And he finally got a, a placement and he sees that 14 cents. I'm kind of there. I think I saw that on the last BMI statement, a couple pennies here and there off a placement here and there. Yeah. I'm there. I'm waiting for more albums to get into the library, to get on these libraries that can be found by TV shows and music supervisors and stuff. And Mm -hmm. this German show and some other things are, is the start. Of course, I won't see anything from that as far as back end. I don't know if there'll be any fr- uh, front end on that because there is sometimes front end and there isn't front end sometimes, yeah. right? On, on sync fees for TV. Yeah. So I, I don't know. But as far as BMI, it could be nine months before I find out what I hear on that. So it's such a long game that that's where I am in it. I am in it. I am creating all the time. I'm, I'm finding more. I'm getting more. I'm asked for more albums and continue to create those albums and get those out there and then get to that place where Maybe I'm making a hundred bucks per BMI check and then getting to the $500 and then maybe to the thousand dollars. That's where I am. I'm in it. I'm in the middle of it, but I'm not in the sexy making a lot of money part yet. I'm in the, oh my God, I'm not really making anything part in this, but I'm cool with that because that's just the process. And I think everybody who watches this or watches my channel needs to know you're going to be in that process somewhere and every part of it is fine. You could be up to where you are. You're still not done. You're, even though you're at a place where you've got good income coming from it, you'd still like to see that next level as well. And so my next level is, is getting up to closer to 500 songs in libraries and, and then getting, seeing TuneSat go crazy every month, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, and I'm cool to wait for that. I have time. I'm just, I'm going to keep making these albums and 
like I said, I have so many other incomes that, that are placeholders for now. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that one day will be the retirement slash whatever I'm going to be doing after I, uh, after I reach that age, Yeah, that'll be that income. You know? Yeah, that, that's awesome. And I'm glad you said that, man, because, you know, I like to give producers and composers and artists realistic expectations. Like I come across people and I'm like, you know, what, what's your biggest goal a year from now? They're like, I want to retire like my family and my parents. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Let, let's just start with getting getting into a, a, a library. Let's let's start with buying a cup of coffee. Like, let's start with that because yeah. it takes time, man. And it, it is a long play. It's not something that, that you kind of hop into to make money real quick. You know what I mean? And can it happen? Oh, yeah, you know, you may run into an opportunity where there's, you know, an opportunity or you just happen to know somebody who's working on a commercial spot and you may see a, a decent payout. It can happen, but, you know, the the majority of composers, especially in the music library, production music space, it's it, it's a long play and it's a numbers game and you're building that catalog up so that you can see and reap the, the fruits of your labor, you know, years and years from now, you know what I mean? But you have to put that upfront work in. You have to be okay with, you know, creating music, submitting it and not knowing if it's working or making you any money for a while. And you have to continue to keep creating and submitting before you see anything. And that that's where a lot of people fall off is in that stage because they're like, I'll submit two tracks and I'll see if I make any money before I really go all in. And it, you can't do that. You know, you have to kind of go all in before before you know if it works. One of the biggest problems I see producers have when trying to get into sync licensing is not knowing the steps to take in order to get that set up and started. So I created a super simple, easy, free six step guide to help you get started so you know the exact steps you need to take so you can start getting your music placed in TV and film. Go ahead, go to clintproductions.com slash six steps to download that free guide. Again, it's clintproductions.com slash the number six steps, clintproductions.com slash six steps steps download your free six-step guide and get started today like right now like let's go like what, what are we waiting for i think a, a lot of people also look at this and they go well I, I i have to sign an exclusive deal and and in some cases in perpetuity with these songs that i'll never get to use them for anything else I'll, i'm not doing that i don't sign my songs away mm-hmm. but if i hadn't done that i would not be getting these things plus i think you, it's again holding your little babies too close you can't be so precious with these songs you've got to let them go get them out making money for you make more music there's more music to make and and then be patient and that's all music you know if i hadn't been patient from being from when i was 13 writing songs and the other thing that i can't teach and you can't teach and nobody can teach is fire in the belly yeah. i can't make people want to do this forever I can, some people walk into this and go, oh, I've written a song or two. I could probably do that. And that's what I'll do. And then after six months go by, they're like, oh, this just seems like a lot of work and I'm giving my songs away. I'm never going to hear anything. And then they just go, you know, basket weaving sounds fun. And, you know, and so they go to another thing or I'm going to write a book or I'm going to start water skiing now. But I, I just think that those of us or those people who will just say, this is the thing I'm going to keep on it. I don't care. I'm going to keep getting better. And I think the only downside I see to channels like ours is that we might talk people who are not talented into into jumping into these things. Now, 
I, I think anybody can become talented. I don't think talent is a bo you're born with talent. You're not born that way. Let's just say it that way. You can develop talent. I've seen great singers develop. I've seen terrible singers develop into great singers. I've seen not songwriters develop into great songwriters. And so with the right team, don't, I think personally, I think in music licensing, you're going to have to step up to another level of production versus like stock licensing or royalty free stuff or stuff like that. You're going to have to employ people. You're going, you might have to go out, Hey, 80% of what I've put out there, I've paid musicians in Nashville to play on because I know the competition is tough. I want to, I want to beat that competition and, and get in. So. Yeah. Yeah, man. Cause I mean, they're looking for, <clears throat> you know, they're replacing tracks that are on the radio from, from major artists. They just don't want mm -hmm. to pay the money that it costs to use yep. those tracks. So indeed. So man, so <clears throat> how, what was your initial approach to, in, in getting started? Was it through music libraries? Was it through sync agents? Like what or stock sites? What was your kind of initial approach to, to start getting your music working for you? It was libraries because of the the company that I went through and talked and kind of did a course with, you know, they were pushing library. Actually, no, they were pushing, you know, getting relationships with music supervisors and sync agents and stuff. But then I started watching videos that talked about music libraries and music libraries fit my old, my old goal, which was to really get stuff, quote unquote, published, which means somebody is going to take your music and do something with it. Mm -hmm. and and make money with your music and yeah. for all i did and for all i still do as far as all the jobs i do working for clients and working for you know teaching and doing my youtube channel and writing my own stuff i need somebody working it i don't have time which is why i, I have messed around with taxi a little bit because you think oh that is going to be a possible answer for me to supply songs to someplace and they'll do something with it right i probably don't feel that way as much anymore. And I'm probably a little bit more in, I would rather spend the money on Clint's book and just, just do some nice, some, some short emails and, and find libraries because that's how I've ended up finding them. To be honest, I didn't, I haven't gotten anything from things like that, like pitch op opportunities that you pay for play and stuff like that. I've not seen personally any success there. I've seen more success having great material that I pitch personally through a, a short email to a library. And that's how I've gotten my deals. And, and that cost me zero, you know, except for the production that I did and, and the time, but as far as the reach out and finding those people it cost me zero. So, yeah. okay. Now, where was the question? I've, uh, now I've oh, into a rabbit hole. Issue. No, 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 you answered it. You, you said you got, you started with the music libraries and just reaching. Yeah. Out. And, and I, I sometimes will talk to somebody like Tim, we talked about Tamara bubble in our other interview and I've, I've emailed, I've, I've uh, interviewed her on my channel and she is like a pastor. She will get you fired up to, to go out there and start your own seek agency and, and, and reproach all those people. And I think p some people like her can do that. I mean, you have done that a little bit you have some of those, but I don't have time for all the networking and all the uh, relationship building that that takes. I kind of did that for my production career. I went to Nashville over and over till I found the engineers and the players and all that stuff and yeah. built that whole thing. I don't have time for that now. I think I just need to find some libraries and, and let this stuff go on autopilot and make me money rather than bust it. Now, that's not saying that in later years, I might not go and meet to taxi rallies or to, you know, music supervisor or get togethers or whatever, and try to try to meet them. But libraries is the way I'm going to do it. I think. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice.
So, like, did you have a, a goal, like a certain number of libraries you wanted to be signed with? I know you mentioned a little bit about it earlier, or were you just reaching out to as many as possible and just kind of seeing, you know, who who would bite and what did that that process of reaching out to them look like? Did you just send an email, a phone call? Like, what was your approach? First of all, even before that, I think it's important to tell everybody that I started creating top-notch content before I started that mm. that thing. Okay. I have pitched my whole life since I was a teenager and I've gone to Nashville and I've sat behind the desk with the guy and I've given him my cassette with three songs on it and him go, yeah, not what we're looking for. Yeah. So I know the music publishing game. I've done it all through my life and I've been told, no, it's not right for us, blah, 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 because it wasn't right for them. I wasn't good enough. I didn't have the songs they were looking for and my production wasn't good enough. So when I decided to make the switch, I knew my production was there. I knew yeah. it was what it needed to be. Fire, as my students will say. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. fire. But for me, I just knew it was high quality because I was working with great Grammy-winning engineers and great top players and so, and, and great singers from Nashville and stuff like that. So I knew the stuff was all going to be there. Yeah. Then I had to gear it towards what I knew that companies would need, what they would need for TV shows, what they would need. And, and I particularly... Per, I don't do trailers. I really focus on songs, okay. uh, like complete songs that people can use for montages and for whatever uses or ads or things like that. Songs okay. that have hooks, songs that are songs, okay. not scores, not trailers and things. Personally, that's just what I wanted to do. Okay. And because I'm a songwriter, really, and when yeah. it comes down to it, even though I consider myself a composer too. So I did that first. And then I said, okay, now that I have these songs, I want to create a bunch of positive songs that would be great for that and then i started looking for those libraries and started really researching those libraries even taking a directory like yours or or whoever might else have a directory like that and and finding a company you still need to go to their website and see if they have songs on their library that are like the ones that you have right. and so i looked for those libraries and i did research and then said, okay, I'm going to approach this one and this one and this one and this one because it looks like they take the, this type of music and, and they have nice websites. I'm kind of a, I'm kind of very picky about what websites I will like look at. If I look at their website and it's trash, I'm like, no, I'm not saying anything to them. <laughs> yeah. And so, cause I'm a website designer too. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. That's if you're not going to put work into your website. And what's funny is the first library assigned me. I wouldn't say their website is like super great, but the relationship has, is really great. But anyway, all that said, that's, that was my, that was, that was the way I did it. I just looked up these libraries. Some of it was Google, some of it was a directory and, and then just found, usually though, it's more magical than that. You just hear a, about a library somewhere, or somebody's talking about online or somebody's talking about a person who's, and you're like, let me check out their site. And it turns out that's a site you should submit to. And a lot of times that's how I've found the libraries. Cause I saw a video or I was watching, I was studying You're if you're watching this video, now you're studying, you're listening to every word saying you, your true believers are already still, or they're still in this interview all the way now till now. And they're listening to every word and writing it down and saying, oh, I got to do that. Cause that's what that guy did. And he's now at that place where he's got libraries. And so that's, uh, that's kind of the story of how I did it. I purposely decided that I was going to go towards sync music and use the same quality musicians I used for all my productions. That was making me, you know, six figures as a producer and turn that into focusing that music and still am on, on making songs for, for, for licensing. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and you dropped a, a major gem in, you know, 
like immersing yourself into the space, the topic, like obsess about it to where you're soaking in so much content, videos, podcasts, books. I still do. Yeah. Same here, man. And it's like, it, people wonder like, well, how do you like find these opportunities or learn this stuff? It's like, literally like I'm listening to it all day. And like, you just come across nuggets and you start putting the pieces together and things work out. And then you find yourself being in these conversations, you know, being in, in the rooms. I know club clubhouse was, was really big going to the sink rooms. And then, you know, you're, you're able to, to take advantage or be in the place where people who are doing this, doing what you want to do are hanging out and having the conversation. And then you end up getting pulled into some of that stuff. So that's really, really, really major, man. I mean, that's kind of the reason why I started my YouTube channel, make music income, because I just wanted to be in the discussion. Yeah. I wanted to be talking with everybody, not just to teach them, but to learn from all of them, including the Jesse's and the Daniel of stock music licensing and people like that. And, and my, podcast partner, Steve, Steve Bedall. Yeah. Sorry. I said his name wrong. Stephen Bedall, but uh, Steve and I do a podcast every week and we talk about all this kind of stuff. Cause we're both just composers trying to make music income. That's and awesome. so uh, all that was done. So I could just continue learning because I learn from every person who su- says something to my channel. And so do you. Yep. And when I come home at night, I'll sit and turn on YouTube for an hour and yep. just watch all my channels. I'll listen to podcasts all the time. I've been reading keyboard magazine, electronic magazine since for 30 years. Yeah. People say, how do you know everything? It's because I just read everything. I watch everything. And that's just what you got to do. Yep. Indeed. And what's the name of the podcast again? So people can check. Podcast out. is the Make Music Income Podcast. It's on all the major podcasters, including Apple and Spotify. And yeah, we've been doing that. We're up to getting close to episode 30. Nice. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, we, Steve and I have a good time doing that. Yeah, man. The podcasts are, are awesome. I'm a, I'm a huge fan, but yeah, man. So nice. So man, we're talking about the, the beginning stages of, of the the small royalty checks and they're growing, man. Let me tell you, like I've been there, I've had the 14 cent royalty check and I've seen it grow over the years. And it's funny because it can, it happens almost exponentially, you know, it just slowly starts to grow and then you'll see a dip and then it'll get a little bit bigger and then it dips way, way down. And then, you know, it's just up and down, but you know, to be able to see that growth is is really, it's really something to look forward to. So if you're in the trenches and you're in the beginning stages, just don't give up. That's what separates the people who see success and the people who don't, we just simply don't give up and, you know, just keep cranking out dope music. Like Eric said, man, focus on the music, the quality of the music and and naturally people are going to want to use it. And then focus on serving. You said something else earlier that was really, really good is you were trying to figure out what those companies needed, like what they needed, not what you wanted to make, what you thought was cool at the time. But what does this company need? Because that's what we're in the business to do is to serve clients needs and give them what they need. So that should definitely always be the focus and not really, you know, about what you want to do or what you think is cool all the time. Or, I mean, I kind of approach it in both ways. I make what I want to make, yep. but I only pitch what I've made to the companies who are going to want that. There you go. Thing. Yeah. Because make- I think you got to make it fun for yourself. You can't. Otherwise, listen, I've been a music producer as my job for 25 years, and I'm I'm ending the, I'm at the end of producing music for other people that they want that I don't enjoy. Mm-hmm. So I want to make my own 
music the way I want to make it from my brain. And then I'll find the companies that want to use that. Unless, of course, one of my libraries says, I need a country record. And I'll go, all right, I'll do a country record for you. And then I go, and but still I get to write it. And I can write the kind of country songs I want to write. And I think you have to do it that way. But yeah, you do have to serve. This is all about serving. And yeah. if you're not interested in serving, then you're not going to do well on a YouTube channel. You're not going to do well with music. You're not going to do any well anywhere with your music. If you're not serve, because even if you're a performer, you have to serve that audience. You have yep. to serve them and give them what they want. Because if it's all introspective, it's all about you. You're, you're probably not going to have as much luck yeah. in anything. Indeed. Man, so that's awesome. So you're working on a book, and I don't know how close you are to being done. Can you talk a little bit about that and what the purpose is in writing that and what kind of inspired it, I guess? There's going to be several books, but this is the first ebook that I'm kind of releasing on this Make Music Income. I've done ebooks before. Some of them have been free. Some of them have been like I had a few for my last business where I was writing it for music artists, sometimes Christian music artists, sometimes creatives. But this book is totally focused on stock market, the, the stock, it's actually called the stock market. Okay. And it's about how and why and who and where to find the libraries to, to submit your stuff for royalty-free music and sometimes non-royalty for sometimes exclusive, but mostly in the stock, what we would call the stock music place. Like they would get stock photos, they would get stock videos, they can also get stock music. Okay. Personally, I consider this music... Now, it's not that I don't have highly produced music there because some of the stuff I haven't got signed that I made to get signed to exclusive <laughs> libraries didn't go there. So I ended up throwing it into these stock libraries and they've made me money. Some yeah. songs have made me lots of money. Some of it is my own personal music that I just I don't want to send out for license. Some of it is stuff that I specifically make, like holiday music or just made some patriotic music, you know, for the for the, the holidays. Those sell well every year and people always come back and get those again. And, and or anything else that I can make in here without having to, to hire a musician. <laughs> I don't have to spend any money except my time to make stuff. It's mostly all MIDI or my voice or my clapping or, or anything that I can do. And, and I'll put that in there, but I find that the question I get so many times on my channel, which we do talk about stock licensing on there, even though stock licensing is taking a, taking a bit of a dip this year, I think, but, and that's a whole nother conversation and video, but the bottom line is people want to know where to find these libraries. They want to know where the pages, the direct pages to go through. It's kind of like your directory that you have of music licensing companies. And probably some of these are on it, mm -hmm. but this is specifically for stock music, for royalty-free stock music where to exactly find those pages, mm -hmm. what I think of those libraries, just a kind of a brief thought about them and yeah. what experience I've had on them. And I was going to make this into a course, but dude, this stuff changes so much. Motion Array completely changed the way they teach people. They pay people in January. Pond 5 changes with yeah. the wind, what it's doing, and just added a new subscription service that now is a thing. And Audio Jungle will close. And, and uh, you know, it just, it. so I, I've just determined it's making a video course would be too much reshooting. Yeah. And and so just because of the way things change. So I thought it'd be easier to update an ebook. So that comes out probably this weekend. I've kind of got a video. If I get it shot, it's Wednesday. We'll see if I get it shot for this weekend, but okay. I'm weird. I, a lot of times we'll release videos on Sunday for some reason. And so if I get it done, but it's going to be part of a, my series on this, but I, I just think people need to know where to find these libraries. So I'm going to be in that video, suggesting my ebook and kind of doing the push for the ebook, but I'm also going to be talking about directories like yours nice. and, and, and to, so, so people just have an easy 
way to go because some people just want the easy way. That's yeah. why they choose taxi. That's why they choose libraries. That's why they choose, you know, we talk about all the time in our class, music in general, even music consumption is all about convenience. And so this video is about convenience. How can you get started in stock music? Well, and, and get your music out there fastest. Well, this ebook will help give you all the links to go right there without having to do any research. So that's kind of the point of it. Nice. That's awesome, man. Super dope. Well, listen, man, I know you're super busy. You got a lot of projects you're working on. You're, you're helping, you know, up and coming producers and composers and students learn you know, how to produce quality music and record and things like that. So I won't hold you, but man, like what's leave the people with, I guess, an inspiring message that, you know, that'll keep pushing them forward if, if they're getting started, you know, in sync or and trying to make income with their music. If you want to do music and you're serious about doing music, there's one thing that you can do that will continue through your life to put you ahead of everyone else doing music. And that is to keep doing music. I can't stress this enough. I will give students this speech at the end of, of each, e each semester or whatever the little time we have together is. And I will tell them, and I will say it several times and I'll keep bringing it up on another screen. Keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. The people who aren't doing it are people say, yeah, I messed around with music for a while and it didn't work out. Well, that is not going to cut it. That's not the way Clint and I roll and why we've been successful is not because we just picked it up last year. We've been doing this our whole lives. There's been, even though we've had other jobs, music has likely been at the forefront of our minds and how to, and I don't even know if the goal was ever to make full-time music off, full-time income off music. It was just to do music more. And yeah, sure, you'd like to get income from it. Sometimes it can be a real job. It can just be a regular job, just like a job. Yep. And you can just be slaving away. But at least you're doing music and you're doing something you want to do. So the number one thing is keep doing it. Always keep doing it. Don't give up. Even if you feel like you're right now, no one's listening, keep doing it. That's what, that's the difference from now to later. The second thing is to keep doing it. No, I'm just kidding. It, <laughs> it is really the second thing. Yeah, no. But the other thing I want to leave people with is that you are, you are probably good enough, even if you think you're not. And, you know, I have to, I tell my students this at the very beginning of every time I speak to a new room of students, I will say, each of you is good enough to do this. If you think you're not good enough and this other guy who has stuff on stock music is better, is good. And he knows everything. He doesn't know everything. He's just doing the best he can do and making his thing. Now, those of us who've been in the industry for 20 years, yeah, we might know more than you, but it, but it doesn't mean that you're not good enough to do this. You can be good enough to do this. It's just going to depend on how much you work to do it yeah. and how serious you take it and how much you keep doing it more than everybody else. And that's, exactly. that's to me, that's the easy answer, you know? Yeah. Gems, man. Gems, man. So tell the people where they can find you, where they can learn more about you, your, your channel, where, where can sure. you go? Main channel is makemusicincome.com. That's the website. Or you just go to youtube.com slash makemusicincome, Instagram dot com slash make music income everything's make music income because it's all about making music income that's 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 <laughs> that's, that's the what thing. the whole channel was built around i was shocked when i, I thought i had that idea like last july i was like man there should be a, a, a site just about you know different kinds of ways you can make music income yeah. and i looked around and there was nothing i'm like wow I love i'm it. grabbing it yeah, grabbing yeah. it doing uh, it 
It fits and, you well, uh, man. It, it's so. it's a great channel. That highly recommend. I was checking out some of your videos too the other day. Really, really good stuff, man. Great. Idea. And I just talk from experience. You know, I'm not trying to sell uh, this ebook. I've been really struggling if I'm going to sell anything or not. And so I'm going to sell this ebook for not much. But yeah. I, that's not the, really the goal of the channel. It already is monetized. I make money from it just by ads and stuff. And yeah. and I've had some sponsored videos already. So I don't need to make money and. and it'd be hard to turn that into as big a money maker as my client work or what the school pays me. So I'm not going to really worry about that, yeah. but I am just telling you what's happening on a daily basis with me and a weekly basis with me on, on all these things. And so if yeah. you're interested in finding out how to make music income, I'm talking about it. Awesome. Well, Eric, thank you again, man, for joining me. And uh, this, this has been a dope conversation and uh, man, I hope it, it's inspired the people out there and yeah, man, I appreciate you coming through. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. No doubt, man. Take it easy. Thank you for listening to the Music Is My Business podcast. If you haven't already subscribed, be sure to do so now so you can know every time I drop a new episode. If you found the information helpful, please be sure to rate and review the podcast so we can get this dope info out to more music entrepreneurs like you. I would greatly appreciate it. Also, if you want to learn more about how to get your music placed in TV and film, visit ClintProductions.com today to download my free six-step guide to TV placements. These are the steps I took to land my first 10 TV placements in a little over a year. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next one.